Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Now, today's guest is not about a story. Today's guest is all about action items, and we are welcoming back Lee Ford. You know, I never actually asked this question. I definitely should have asked this question in the beginning. Your last name, is it pronounced Ford or Fjord? Fjord. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Fjord, Lee Fjord. I'm so sorry. And I and I, I definitely said your, your last name wrong in the first episode as well. So my apologies. But welcome back, Lee Fjord. It's, it's great to have you. Thanks. And I can't wait to share the actionable steps with your audience as a fun fact. I like to call myself Mr. Make It Happen. Mr. Make It Happen. I love that. Mr. Make It Happen. Mr. Make It Happen. <laughs> Lee, Mr. Make It Happen Fjord. Got it. We're definitely, yeah. uh, we're branding it that way. <laughs> definitely putting that in the, in the right. title for sure. But no, wel- welcome back. And so let's, I mean, let's get started then. So, you know, first, right off the bat, let's say I have like a pretty good amount of capital going into it. And I want to invest in multifamily and I want to be an active investor, right? What would be the first steps that you would say? You know what? I want to even dive a little bit further. Let's say I already picked a market. Let's say I wanted to go over in St. St. Louis then. What are the first Perfect. steps yep. that, that I would take if I wanted to invest over in St. Louis in, in multifamily? If you want to invest in St. Louis and stay living in Sacramento, I recommend you find a boots on the ground partner who knows how to run a deal properly. Ideally, they have experience in property management and or some sort of asset management and or some sort of brokerage business. And that person should have a lot of time on their hands because they're going to be real busy. Mm, okay. So to so find you, some someone like you. <laughs> no, <laughs> not uh, necessarily, but like <laughs> someone who who can be at the property on a you know drop of a dime. So then you don't have to, you know. So then you don't have to jump on a plane every time you're turning over a couple apartments. So now, uh, when I am finding these boots on the ground, what is you know what is what is one way that. I can get them to to trust me coming coming from California. Like, how do we even start to build that relationship with that boots on the ground person? First of all, staying dedicated to being in contact with that person once you've started the initial contact. Spend time building that relationship, whether it be over phone or Zoom. I would definitely make it a point to make trips to St. Louis to spend time with that person in the market, experiencing where you are going to be investing your money and make sure that both of you have a clear understanding of what the team's goal is when it comes to investing in real estate. Because if your goal is to own A-class property in A-class neighborhoods and his goal is to own C-class properties in C-class neighborhoods, then maybe you reach a compromise and you both invest in B-class and B-class neighborhoods or, you know, you 
you know, switch to one or the other, but you need to have a congruent defined goal and plan and then work the plan together. Hmm. Now, now when we are following, so, so let's say, well, let's say our interests are aligned then like my interests align with my boots on the ground. And uh, you mentioned just like following up, following up, following up and just being consistent and building that relationship, even, even furthermore, like going to St. Louis no, I guess like the the initial thought that I had was just like when whenever I had these conversations uh, just with other investors, it was all I always thought it was supposed to be business like. So you know, only talking about um, only talking about the property, only talking about like how much capital or soft commits that I have, just like talking just business stuff. Now, when you are trying to find that partner and when you're building that relationship with the boots on the ground, is that what it looks like? Is, is, is it just business and making sure your goals are aligned or, or how do you differentiate between like, you know, this is a good friend versus this is a good partner. I've had all the different types of partners in my in my investing career. I've partnered with my brother. I've partnered with my best friend. I've partnered with a family member. I've partnered with a complete stranger. And I would always recommend making sure that everybody's on the same page and focusing on and having it not necessarily always be just a friendship. It should be a powerful partnership first and then a friendship second. That's the best case scenario I've usually found is someone that you don't mind spending evenings and weekends with, but not necessarily someone that you're, you would want to spend every weekend and every <laughs> evening with. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. 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 Cause you know, I, I feel like just that, you know, there's a narrative where people say don't do business with family members or don't do business with friends just because it can ruin the relationship, you know, when money does get involved. But, you know, what you're saying is like, if you guys focus on just the power of the partnership and the skill sets that you bring, whether boots on the ground, raising capital and underwriting deals combined, then you can sort of build that relationship after words and have it grow sort of like organically because the interests are aligned. Yeah, it really does. Ideally, it's someone that matches your strengths equal in, equally in the opposite direction and fills in your weaknesses, fills in your weak gaps in your, in your business and in yourself. And also is someone that you enjoy spending time with and passionate about the business, passionate about your relationship. I haven't found many times that it's very, it's, it's very much so a successful relationship when you do business with, you know, your best friend, because a lot of times your best friend is exactly like you. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you go into business together, you're going to have a lot of conversations with yourself then, you know, yeah. you know, what's the value in that? Cool. Now, you know, switching, switching gears then and, and finding these partnerships, then let's say just like I, let's use me, for example, I have zero money. I have zero, you know, zero experience. And I want to find this boots on the ground person to, uh, to partner up with. What is one way that I can even add value to that person, even if I don't have the experience or the money to, to add value into there? Like, what, is, what are some of the ways that I can uh, partner up with this person? 
I would say that there's three primary roles in a real estate investing group. There is deal flow, there is asset management, and then there's financial qualifications. So those are the three check boxes you have to have in order to buy a great deal or to buy a deal at all. So you got to find the deal, underwrite the deal, and bring the deal to a closing table. You got to run the deal properly, and you got to be able to qualify for it financially. So being that you're, you know, not earning the money or located in your in your market, I would say focus on deal flow and finding capital for the proper for the for the deal, finding raising capital from limited partners and focusing on deal flow. Because if you can put those two together, you'll be able to find a key principal partner who will sign on your debt and you'll be able to, you know, and ideally during that process or prior to that, you'll have kind of boots on the ground partner that can oversee the asset management of the deal. You know, so yeah, that's how I would, those are the two things I would recommend focusing on is deal flow and raising capital always. Deal deal flow and raising capital. Now, um, you know, let's say I wanted to practice you know, trying to get deals coming my way and, yep. and let's say raising capital. Well, actually, you know, what? let's, let's, let's talk about deal flow first then, you know, what are, what are some actionable steps that I can do to get better at finding deals or even, or just being better at the whole deal flow bucket? Yep. Deals come from primarily two two different sources. Brokers, primarily. Brokers, are they earn their entire income on bringing deals to the market. You are the market because you aren't the deal owner. So you want to be in front of those brokers as much as humanly possible and let them know you are a qualified buyer. And if you convey that to enough brokers, enough times, in enough ways, they will provide you with opportunities to underwrite and to eventually write offers on and to eventually purchase. If you just keep staying on top of them, I would recommend the CRM system so then it has a systematized, you know, approach as opposed to just a shotgun or sporadic approach. And, um, yeah, focus on the brokers first because they control probably 80, 90% of the deals that change hands. And then after that, invest once you have an established connection with enough brokers or the brokers that are willing to entertain you as a team, then focus some energy and attention on attempting to find direct to seller. I think direct to seller is one of those focuses that people put their attention on direct to seller because they think they're going to get a better deal that way. But if you put the same attention on, you know, instead of trying to put your attention on a thousand owners, if you just put your attention on 10 brokers and put the same amount of attention on those 10 brokers as you would have on those thousand owners, you'll do 10 times the number of deals. So you shouldn't have a problem with a broker earning their commission. There's no issue in that. That's what their job is. And their job generally is to, you know, create the opportunity for the buyer Hmm. because the opportunity wouldn't have been there without the broker. The seller, in most cases, wouldn't have entertained selling in many cases until they knew that the broker was able to create the market around their property and, and, and sell the property for the value that they feel it's worth. So it's worth it. Yeah, well, I was, I was And they interested. usually save the deal. A lot of times the, the buyer and the seller will ruin their own deal very easily or very quickly. <laughs> and the broker will actually salvage and save the deal because the only way they get paid is if the deal closes. Yeah, and also I was uh, I was also going to say too. I mean, if if I was a seller, I'd want I would want to go to a broker just to try and get the best price 
you know, possible with the best terms, you know, versus just trying to do it on my own. Like you said, <laughs> I don't want, I would, yeah. I would hate to have the, the deal implode on myself <laughs> and, the, and the buyer. So it does. And owners in many cases are short sighted, you know, 5% of 10 million is a lot of money. You know, that's half a million dollars, mm. a lot of money. Yeah. But you know, they, what would you rather sell your property for 10 million and pay someone half a million to get you there? Or would you rather sell it for 9 million and uh, still get the deal done with somebody else? Like I'd rather sell it for 10 and pay somebody half a million to do all my work for me. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Now, That's uh, my broker speech from you <laughs> coming from me. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and I love it. And, you know, I would love to just dive into uh, just some of the questions and conversations that you, ha- that you have when building a relationship with a broker, because, you know, what was kind of scary for me is the one thing that I would hate is to be seen as a tire, uh, a tire ticker, a tire kicker, and and waste your time, Because right? I know your time is valuable, mm-hmm. and I and I know that you would, you know, you don't want to waste your time on just someone that's that wouldn't even be able to close. So yep. you know, what is what are ways that I can prevent that and even have a great conversation with you without even the, you know, the proof of funds funds question? Because if if someone asks me that. That's a very funny answer. And I can say, I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, it comes by, by building your team first, finding your key principal and your boots on the ground partner before you are approaching those brokers. And then when, I mean, start gathering their contact information, of course, you know, gather the contact information of the top 20 brokers in that market Make sure you know who they are, what companies they work for, what their email and cell phone number is, ideally. Get on their email blast. Get on the, you know, Marcus and Millichap website and log in and download the OMs and study those and understand who the brokers are that are doing the, the most deals in that market. Simultaneously build your team as well and as strong as you possibly can. Ideally with a boots on the ground partner that has experience in, in the market with similar properties mm-hmm. and a key principle that has a high enough net worth that when you put it in front of your broker, you can say flat out, our team has a net worth of $25 million combined between the three of us. We combined own a hundred, a hundred plus doors in your, in this market already. We're ready and active and, and able to close on any deal up to $10 million. It needs to be 20 to 120 doors, pitched roof garden style, built 1970 or newer in the following areas. And I would make those areas counties. I would specifically just say in, you know, St. Louis, Jefferson, and St. Charles County. Those are the three counties that we're interested in buying in. It's a large enough area to where it's, you know, it's a wide swath and you can say it pretty quickly but it kind of separates you from other areas. And then if the broker says, well, would you be interested in one in St. Louis City County? It's like, as long as, you know, it's 1970 or newer, pitch roof, garden style, 20 to 120 doors. Yes, we would consider one of those in mm-hmm. one of in that other county as well. And then simultaneously, 
the team isn't just those, you know, those three players on the team. It's you also have, you know, your special team squad. You know, you got your ba- your banker, your insurance guy, your property manager. Those people are also on your team. So have those people picked out and be able to drop their name at a dime. Like, oh, who? Do you, oh, I bank with Tony over at People's Bank. He gets my loans done for me. Ooh, that's not a baller. Oh yeah, no, I bank, I bank with Tony over there at People's Bank. Nice. So so even going back to it, then just there's such a large emphasis on just team, figure out your team first, and then you can have start having these conversations with these brokers. And then, you know, something that I didn't want to touch on, too, is that you knew the criteria going into it of uh, what you were looking for and what your team was looking for before even reaching out to these uh, these brokers. Okay. That is, that's good to know. And, you know, we are running out of time. We have about a couple minutes left, but, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to bring you back for, for another time. And so we can, cause I feel like we can talk so much and, and even get even more granular into the details, you know, just about, about really anything about real estate, about real estate and multifamily and, or even some of the other sectors of real estate that you, that you're part of. But, you know, before we sign off, I'd love to know again, where can my audience reach out to you if they want to learn more about you and create, start creating a relationship with you? Absolutely. Just to let your audience know, I am Green Forest Capital is building teams in multiple cities around the country. Uh, we do have a combined net worth of over $30 million and own over 100 doors. And if you're looking to partner with, whether it be for deal flow and capital raising or for asset management boots on the ground, reach out anytime. Love to see how we can build and partner together. I love the entire United States. I generally am not interested <laughs> in the Northwest uh, or the West Coast or the Northeast. But if you're there, I'm always interested to see who we can partner with. So greenforestcapital.com, book a call with me there anytime you'd like. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram. And I also started a club recently for high number unit owners. It's called the 100 Door Club. So if any owner already owns 100 doors or more, they can find me on Facebook, The 100 Door Club. It's where other owners of 100 plus units can meet and network and learn from each other. Nice. Awesome. And I'll definitely put those in the show notes as well. So thank you, Lee. I appreciate you coming and spending your Monday evening with me. And thank you, everyone, for listening and have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.